Hello, friends, and welcome to the Moonlit Mind podcast. I am your host, Anna, and I just wanted to welcome you all to this first episode of the Witch Witch Wednesday series, where I, your host, Anna, will be interviewing really wonderful, wise, and witchy women healers. And we will be diving into some beautifully healing and mind and heart inspiring conversations about the healing and spiritual journey, where I hope these conversations will start to probe your curiosity and stir your heart on your own path of healing and spirituality. So this first episode, I got to speak to my dear soul friend, Pesha Forrest, who is a wonderful tarot reader, extraordinarily gifted intuitive channel, and spiritual teacher. So we got to dive into some beautiful conversations about our shared religious upbringings and our more expanded journeys on the spiritual path and later years of our own awakening journeys. And we got to hear specifically from Pesha about her background and experience along the healing and spiritual path. So this is a wonderful conversation about the healing journey and we also get to talk about the tarot and how we can start to use these tools and energies in our own lives and for assistance along the spiritual path. So I hope you enjoy this wonderful episode with a dear friend and spiritual ally of mine. Hello, Pesha. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Anna. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast, The Moonlit Mind, as the first guest and witchy woman of this new inaugural series uh, where I will be interviewing really powerful women healers in our world and just Yeah, so excited to have you on this episode. I am delighted and honored. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, to my listeners, I just want to uh, introduce Pesha Forrest. She is a dear friend of mine for the last two years, and she is a spiritual teacher, a gifted tarot reader, an intuitive channel, a kind-hearted and heart-centered witchy woman. Uh, And I am just so delighted to have her here to share a little bit about her background, her story, her work, and just really spark these conversations of healing that so many of us are embarking upon at this uh, present time and space. Um, So Pesha and I have known each other for the last two years. And funnily enough, we have never met in person. (laughs) (laughs) One day, eventually. We, we've not met in the real life, but we've met on the spiritual plane, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I feel like more and more, that's how our connections in this world are starting. You know, 
with COVID, with kind of the elevation of our consciousness on the planet, I do feel like the energy is just so potent where we can feel a connection with someone even just across the ethers of time and space and Instagram and technology. So um, yeah, I found Pesha through a mutual friend and I just felt a deep instant soul resonance with her and we started, you know, connecting and just kind of dove headfirst into a very deep um, soul friendship for the past few years. So that is our history together. (laughs) (laughs) One, one day we'll meet in, in real life. For sure. It's gonna, it's gonna happen eventually, but lots of, lots of great friendships have been formed that way, even before the advent of technology. And I love to think of Julia Childs and her friendship with Avis and they were just pen pals for a long time and very close dear friends and it took them years to meet in person so Mm, I love that thank you so much for yeah bringing that up that really just yeah warms my heart and I just feel um you know when we meet in person that it's just going to be such an easeful connection because that's you know what it's been to this date yeah I feel that too I'm I look forward to the day Yes, I do too. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for being here. And just kind of one question to get the conversation going is I want to pose um, the question about creativity and what inspires you to create um, your work and yeah, embark upon that more creative path in your life. I feel like helping people when it comes to doing my tarot and creating my business platform is what inspires me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of times people start a business and think about how much money they can make. And for me, I am deeply hoping to connect with people who resonate with my work and Mm -hmm. help provide them guidance or advice or a listening ear if need be. Mm -hmm. That's my main motivation. Yes. And I feel like that is definitely that like heart based um, motivation that so many of us healers have on this path. And that really is what initially inspires us to not only start to heal ourselves, but to help others on their own healing journey. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Speaking of, you know, the healing journey, I mean, so many of us spiritually inclined people are on such deep healing journeys. And I'm just so curious, you know, when did you embark upon your spiritual healing journey? And like, what prompted you to that path? It happened back when I was about 30 years old, or I was 30 or 31. I forget exactly how old I was. So not too long ago, I had just gotten out of a three-year-long relationship that was unfulfilling and, to be very frank, abusive. And I had a moment where I was like, why is it that I see other people in happy and thriving relationships? And why can't I have that? What makes them so special or what makes them so different? And so I think my healing journey began when I started asking questions instead of 
um, continuing to play out the victim role or just letting things happen to me. It's when I decided to actually step in the role of a conscious creator in my own life and my own reality. And it was kind of, it was honestly kind of a funny story. I was trying to manifest like winning the lottery. And that is honestly how I started my healing journey because it took me down kind of a rabbit hole of different modalities of healing myself. I stumbled on mirror magic and um, words of affirmation, EFT, meditation. Uh, <laughs> so that, that helped me a lot. It was definitely a bad breakup that and wanting to have healthier relationships with the people around me that got me on my starting on my healing journey. Mm. Yes. And I do feel like for so many of us, you know, out there listening and myself included, um, you know, relationships are such a potent opportunity for us to really start to witness um, those kind of unintegrated parts of ourselves and start to see in that reflective experience what needs to be healed and addressed. Absolutely. And the more I go down this road of healing, I, I don't practice any form of like spirituality specifically, like I cherry pick from things that resonate with me. Mm. And I feel like if I were to label my spiritual calling, it, my religion of sorts is relationships. I love that. I love that so much, especially, you know, knowing on a personal level that you are a Libra son which, you know, many of my listeners know I'm very astrologically based and Libra is, you know, the sign of relationships. So mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for speaking to that. And um, yeah, I'm just curious, did you ever win that lottery that first ignited you on the spiritual path? <laughs> you know what? I, I did. I won $3. Oh, <laughs> Uh, and that was, that was big for me. It was huge. I was super excited about that. Um, I was talking with my current partner recently too, because we just recently had that huge Powerball jackpot and it was like $1.9 billion. Right. And we'll, we'll put in some tickets and he kept asking me this question. He's like, what would you do if you won the lottery? And I was like, I, I didn't know. I didn't have a, an answer for him really obviously it was like you know buy my sisters and you know houses or my family a house and make sure that they were well set up and that's kind of the obvious thing but I didn't have really a clear mindset and I told him the other day I said well I already feel like I won the lottery with you and the whole reason that got me on my spiritual journey in the first place was trying to win the lottery because I thought it was my financial problems that have popped up in my relationships that was the main source of contention in my relationships and I thought well if I could fix the money problem I can fix the relationship problem mm -hmm. and so the only reason why I really wanted to win the lottery in the first place was because I wanted a healthy relationship and now that I have one I do feel like I've won the lottery mm. oh I love that so much I do feel like that financial, you know, security and sense of abundance and that self-worth definitely mm -hmm. goes hand in hand with our ability to attract the quality of relationships that are really going to honor us on all those levels. Absolutely. They're both very 
intrinsically linked together your relationship with love and your relationship with money they're very the vibration of those two are very similar I think Mm -hmm. yes I definitely I definitely feel that they're not separate by any means and when we start to work with one of them and heal and address one it inevitably you know will counteract and affect the other aspect as well Mm -hmm. so yeah I'm just so curious Um, You know, you and I have spoken outside of this call about your background and being like more of a religious upbringing. And I believe you told me that you were a Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious kind of how your religious journey into more of an open lens spirituality has like what that shift was like for you. You know, I always felt that a very strong calling towards a higher power my whole life and the religious component definitely added to that i would say and since i had two sisters i was raised with very close in age i finally asked them what their experience was like being raised jehovah's witness recently and i was like did you all have the same experience i said because i i believed it hook line and sinker i definitely felt that connection that spirituality and i wanted to give my life up to this higher calling. And they had very different experiences. My one sister said that she thought it was total bullshit and she just played along and played the part. And I feel like my other sister said something similar along the same lines, but a little bit different. So I felt like it definitely shaped my experience in how I view spirituality. And I guess maybe that's why I don't um, adhere to a certain subtype of a spiritual practice and maybe cherry pick. Um, And I think even before I went on my personal healing journey, I definitely went on a search for truth. And this was at a point in my time in my early twenties, I think this was back in 2010, actually the person I was dating at the time was raised very um, conservative Christian, but not Jehovah's Witness. And I was no longer a Jehovah's Witness, but my family was starting to go back to um, the church services with the Jehovah's Witness religion. And they were trying to get me to go back. And I was kind of thinking maybe I would. And he brought to my attention something about false prophets in the Bible, a scripture about false prophets. And the Jehovah's Witnesses have predicted the end of the world in years more than once. And so you would kind of determine that as like a false prophet. Well, they're predicting something that you can't really put a date on. And it made, it, it made me want to question my upbringing and what I was taught. And so I went on a search for truth. So I just started researching the Bible extensively. I started researching different religions and specifically cults too. And so I actually have a very extensive knowledge of the Bible. I've lost some of the memory of that because it's been quite some time. But I quickly switched over to feeling like I was had an encounter with Jesus or a moment with Jesus and really fell in love with him. I always say that Jesus is my first love when it comes to my spiritual practices and he'll, he'll always be. Um, And it was, 
yeah, anyways, I don't know where I'm really going with this story. What was the original question again? No, no, I love, I love the direction that you're going in. And I am just feeling such a semblance of experience through my own religious upbringing. Mm -hmm. So I just know that so many listeners out there have, you know, had a background of a more religious background. And I just feel like, yeah, where you're going is perfect. And I just wanted to hear how you made the shift from a more limited realm of religion into that more open expansiveness of creating your own sense of spiritual connection. Well, it came about when I went to a crystal convention and I, for most people that know me, I'm not really into crystals. I I like incense and rocks and sticks, but I went to a crystal convention with a friend of mine and I went past this booth and there was this beautiful white haired older gentleman and he was glowing, radiating. His kind of eyes were always turned upward. Like he was looking at God or heaven or something that I couldn't see or access. And he had a profound effect on me. I felt very drawn to him. So I went up to him and I was like, I I feel this overwhelming need or urge to cry in front of you. And he looks at me and not in a prideful or egoic way, just says, some people say that they cry in the presence of angels or something like that. It was something along those lines. Again, all the while he's still looking up (laughs) past me and beyond me (laughs) as he's saying this. And he, he says, I, he gave me a little card that had Ganesh on it. um, The Hindu deity, the elephant God. And he says, I think you need this. And I turn it around and it's saying that Ganesh is like the remover of obstacles. I thought, this is interesting. Why does this guy think I need to have obstacles removed out of my life? Uh, And then he gave me a book for free as well on top of it. And it was the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And I had never been called to Eastern religion, which is funny because Jesus is from the East. So, (laughs) you know, I, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And I took that book and since I had such a profound experience around this, this gentleman who gave me this book, I thought it's worth at least giving it a try. Just, I'm going to just try and read it and I'm going to read it with open eyes and an open heart. And I felt the same feelings reading that book that I did around my feelings of when I got to know Christ better, when I got to know Jesus better. And I hadn't felt that feeling in a long time. And it really reignited me and reawakened me. And that, that whole experience had a profound impact on me. But basically, that's kind of how I branched off and got a little bit more into um, Eastern uh, spirituality. Mm. That's such a beautiful experience. And I can just feel like the powerful expansiveness of that interaction. And I do feel like for so many, it is that kind of you know, entry point of reading something that kind of opens our minds to another possibility and another mode of connection with religion or spirituality that's a little bit outside of the box that we, you know, are coming from. And it just is that one thing that kind of sparks us. Absolutely. I think the reason why I love that book so much too is because Paramahansa Yogananda's teacher, uh, Sri Yukateswar, 
he really loved the Bible and he had an extensive knowledge of it too. And he really loved Jesus as well. So there was a lot of correlation and I didn't see the autobiography of a yogi and his journey as much different than I saw Jesus's. So it, it definitely paralleled each other in a lot of ways. So I feel like if anyone is looking to expand their horizons on spirituality, that book would be a good place to start for sure. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that book. You know, I come from a yogic background also, and I actually have never read it. So um, yeah, it's such a good reminder. And, you know, I just think for so many out there who, you know, find that comfort in, you know, more of a religious aspect, I think it can feel challenging and threatening to their worldview and their paradigm when they begin to start questioning, you know, what they've believed for, you know, for so long. So it's, it's nice to hear that for you, you kind of found it didn't threaten your previous belief system. It just expanded it. Well, I think that's why I was terrified of it. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, I was terrified to branch out because, you know, what does Jesus say? And what are the what do Christians believe? I am the way, the truth, and the light. But on further reflection, especially when you study a little bit of Eastern spirituality, you realize that Jesus isn't saying that he is. He's saying it as an affirmation statement. I am the way, the truth, and the light. He's talking about himself, and he's trying to get other people to view themselves the same way. Mm. Yes, yes. I think there is that literal interpretation that kind of got missed. Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, in the transactional process of reading the Bible. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Well, and this will be a conversation for another day in another podcast, maybe, but I mean, it's definitely been used as a tool to control and manipulate people. Yes. So, and that's one of the main things I learned while researching and trying to search for truth. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do feel like that search for truth inevitably leads you to this more, say, conspiracy laced path where you begin to really look at the structures and the power structures that we've been born into and mm -hmm. how there is a drastic manipulation and over governing of our uh, belief systems in order to gain control mm -hmm. yeah so it's it really goes hand in hand from my experience as well yeah definitely absolutely so I guess, you know, one thing from my journey from a religious upbringing, I was raised Christian, went to a private Christian school, and then much like yourself, I read a book back in college that opened my mind to a more spiritually oriented belief system. And, you know, I still had friends who maintained their, you know, sense of Christianity and, you know, stayed in the Christian faith. And mm -hmm. they really had a hard time understanding how I could believe in God, in this bigger force, but not believe in Jesus as the savior of humanity. And I just, you know, still to this day, I've had a hard time kind of explaining to those people still in the faith of how I can still believe in a bigger God, but not believe in Jesus Christ as the savior. So any ideas or thoughts on that? <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a tough one. I, I think that if people want to believe that Jesus is their savior and it works for them, then go for it. 
you know? And for a long time, I was there too. I feel like if your faith is causing you to feel like you are in alignment with something bigger than yourself, then there's nothing wrong in what it is that you choose to believe in. And that there needs to be space for people to have beliefs that differ from one another. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you're asking because you're looking for that kind of space given back to you, right? Mm. Yes, I do feel like when I was trying to formulate that question, I was like, maybe I'm still searching for that validation or that sense of belonging in terms of, you know, someone needing to confirm that my experience and my beliefs are okay. Mm. I feel like really that just, as long as your friends that who have different beliefs from you respect you as a person or are kind to you, um, then it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do feel like the spiritual journey, you know, much like you said earlier is kind of this journey into really starting to take a broad pictured look at our lives and start to take a lot more accountability and self accountability Mm -hmm. for our life experiences and not to, you know, just say, um, you know, play that victim, right? This is happening to me. So I think for me, spirituality came into the picture when I was ready to Mm -hmm. start to shift that victim mentality mindset. Absolutely. And whether that's coming from Jesus or Buddha or Pramahansa Yogananda, I mean, there's all paths lead back to the same place, which is yourself. Yes, yes, absolutely. We carry that divine energy inherently within us and forging that relationship within the self is really the journey. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. So, well, I love that tangent that we went on. I was not anticipating (laughs) a more religious tangent, but I just know that religion and spirituality can be kind of brought head to head against each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that needs to be the case. I think they can be such a huge compliment and there can be a conversational energy between the two. Absolutely. And that's definitely my Libra son playing that role right there (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Yes. Bringing balance, bringing balance to all the belief systems. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and speaking of belief systems, I know, you know, for myself and listeners out there doing this work, um, you know, we start to look at the belief systems that we were raised in, you know, in terms of our family upbringing, and we start to kind of question, like, are these beliefs serving us? And I Mm -hmm. guess I'm curious more about your journey in terms of, you know, working with your family patterns and your belief systems in terms of shifting out of more limiting ones that, that you were taught? I mean, I'm always trying to break certain cycles or patterns because of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not really tied to religion so much. Um, it's more so thought, thought pot patterns and, psych- and thought cycles that I have that might not be suiting my higher self or my higher purpose. Um, With my family dynamic, I realized that if I didn't make it weird and I just talked about it as if I was passionate about it and and open about it and even made a few jokes at at my expense about it, that 
they weren't as scared or weird about it. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I, Cause sometimes I realized that the energy I was putting into the conversation about trying to hide who I truly was or hide certain aspects of myself created that energetic pull on their side to feel resistant or reticent about it or re- reticent. I was corrected recently. That's called reticent or reticent. <laughs> <laughs> I just tell people that's my accent. All right. I so, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then when I decided to change it and not make it such a big deal, it didn't become such a big deal. And now my family kind of just understands that I'm a witch and even mm. my, my grand my grandma would call me a, a little witch sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. in, a, in an affectionate way, because I kind of, how am I trying to phrase this? I took away the, the awkwardness and uncomfortability about it. And I just showed up as who I was. Mm, and yeah. And what I'm hearing is just you really owning this aspect of yourself and this witchiness and this you know more spiritual natured self and you really just this is who I am and I think once we begin to really accept and embrace ourselves and emit that energy our relationships can't help but meet us in that space absolutely you summed it up a lot better than me so thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) well yeah I I think it's easier because I'm hearing what you're sharing and I can you know reiterate in my own words back to you (laughs) well you're a good listener so I appreciate it absolutely and yeah I do feel like there is that general theme in so many families where there's that one person who kind of, right, gets the name the black sheep or, Mm -hmm. you know, the witch or, you know, the light worker. And it's oftentimes, more often than not, it's the person who is highly sensitive, Mm -hmm. right? It's that person who is more empathic, who is really attuning to the energy of the family unit. So I'm curious, in your experience, have you always felt highly sensitive and more empathic. I was always sensitive. And I remember my mom showing me some photos of me when I was younger and I just had tears coming down my face and snot dripping down my nose. And um, I think even my grandma said at one point, like, oh, that one's always so sad. She's always so sad. Uh, So yes, I was always pretty sensitive. I always felt a little bit different as a child. Um, I remember when I was seven years old, sitting on my playground and being like, I think my life's going to be very difficult. I felt like that's a weird thing for a seven-year-old to think. (laughs) Yeah, that's very early. (laughs) It is. Uh, I remember having conscious thoughts from a young age like that. So very turned inward. I love to read. Mm. And yes, I was very empathic towards my family. And I don't think fully that it's just a gift that you receive upon birth. I think it is a byproduct of, of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I, my mom wasn't very emotionally stable and I witnessed abuse going on in my household from a very young age with my older sister. And I think I attuned to my mom's feelings very deeply with, you know, 
empathy or being an empath because that's what provided safety for me. And I was hoping to control the safety and the outcome of my sisters as well. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, you know, sometimes when, you've, mm-hmm. when you're empathetic. I've definitely had to learn a lot about boundaries and I'm still learning them to this day. Absolutely. And I just think you hit the nail on the head when you really spoke to the trauma influence, because yes, being empathic, being an empath is absolutely a gift. It's absolutely a part of us. And at the same time, there is a very strong trauma correlation and self-protection where, right, you know, to be empathic is to tune into someone else's emotional experience and if there was at all any volatility in the family unit that is you know a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. to attune to what this other person is experiencing and feeling in order to know how to protect ourselves yeah and so maybe on the flip side of it it is something I was innately born with and it did help me to survive or it is a little bit of a survival Um, instinct or skill that maybe I was given at birth but I think the double-edged sword aspect of it is that when you're attuning to other people's feelings you have a hard time attuning to your own and I'm still sometimes sorting through that what is it that I'm feeling right now how can I sit with this feeling what is this feeling trying to tell me Mm -hmm. absolutely and I do feel like yes so many of us on this healing journey we're just it's almost like a reorientation back to, you know, re like feeling our feeling our emotions. And for so long, many of us have been probably in a dissociated or disconnected state from our own emotions. Absolutely. Definitely. My, my favorite form of disassociation was uh, escapism. I daydreamed mm. all the time when I was a kid. Yes, yes, I do feel like those escapism patterns are so present as a child because they become our main survival tool, right? Absolutely, yes. So I think for me as an adult, you know, once we start to work with those inner child aspects, we start to possibly re-experience those escapism mechanisms. And I don't think, from my experience, I don't think they fully have gone away they, you know, we start to relate to them in different ways as we go about this journey. Absolutely. And I see them as sometimes security blankets a little bit in that we'll stop using them when we don't need them as often. So, and that's when you're playing an active role in your life. That's when you're deciding to be a conscious creator. You don't need those tools that much but I don't ever beat myself up when I do resort back to those coping mechanisms because it's something I need at the time and it's really about having awareness not not shame or judgment it's just being like oh I'm aware that I'm falling back into this pattern clearly I'm not feeling safe right now why am I not feeling safe right now Mm -hmm. you know and, and just again going back to asking questions Right. Kind of instilling more of that curiosity rather than that judgment toward ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. And I do feel like, you know, there's that similar thread just from the religious background, that shame and that guilt, you know, that's so deeply and the judgment, you know, that's so deeply instilled in us growing up 
and how we relate to ourselves that in our adult lives, you know, we still harbor those, those older outdated energies of shame and guilt. Oh, totally. 100%. And I feel like if I had any carryover from my religious upbringing, that might be one of them. And that has been one that's been, um, it's taken a while to unravel. (laughs) (laughs) It's a deep one. It's a Mm -hmm. very, very deep one um, that, yeah, I don't think it's just a one and done type of thing. And it, there's many, many layers to it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So yeah, just, you know, some things that are popping into my head in terms of, you know, women and our spirituality, our sexuality, like there's so much, there's so much around that, that I think we could have probably another full bone conversation about, but just that kind of is what was stirred in my being just talking about shame and guilt and um, yeah, how have you started to reorient yourself as like a sexual creative being? Like, do you feel like that was a part of your healing journey also was healing those parts of yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My goodness. I mean, with the Jehovah's Witness religion, you definitely did not have sex before marriage. And my parents like didn't talk to me for six years when I moved in with my first boyfriend, even though they were not practicing Jehovah's Witnesses at the time when they chose to do that, but that was because of their indoctrination and it was their shame they were projecting onto me. And that was a blessing in disguise. I felt like because I had that separation from my family, I was able to find myself and have autonomy and have some sense of healing and safety away from the ongoing abuse. So, but that was, that was tough. That took me a long time to reclaim my, my sexuality again, to reclaim my sex, my sexual being, because it's really only yours to control and have power over. It's not anyone else's. And to, to shed the shame that took me a a long time. And I did, I did do a lot of that work over the past couple of years. And it was when I finally acknowledged I had shame around sex and sexuality that I actually started to try and do the work to overcome it. Mm, That's so amazing that you have, you know, delved into that work. Because I think for so many of us, there's so much fear Mm -hmm. wrapped around diving into those realms, Um, just, you know, being taught to fear our own power, our own sexuality. And there's kind of this push and pull energy between we know that on some level that it is this, you know, I mean, I feel innately divine energy. And at the same time, there's just a lot of shame that's been interwoven into that. So it can take a long time, I think, to untangle that from each other. It did. It took, it took a while. And when I even first started on that journey, it felt incredibly foreign and uncomfortable for me for a while. So anyone else out there experience that just, you know, give yourself space and kindness and gentleness with that Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think on the flip side of that, you know, there's that other end of the spectrum of really, you know, those, you know, in the spiritual communities, just kind of that preaching mentality of like what sexuality is supposed to look like as a spiritually empowered, sexually empowered individual And I think there can be kind of a shame induced energy around that as well. Yeah. And to that, I'd like to say, who says, 
<laughs> you know, like that's your perspective. That's what you glean from the information you found or how you feel comfortable exploring your sexuality. And that should never be put on someone else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Such good points. Um, and mm-hmm. I do think, yeah, kind of reorienting ourselves to those, you know, parts of ourselves is such an individual process and it can be so easy to start to compare ourselves to others journey in terms of how they healed their relationship to their own sexuality. Yeah, definitely. And that I I don't like to use the word should. So I'm trying to find a different way to say this. What works for you isn't always going to work for everybody else. So just focus on yourself. That's the Mm -hmm. best way I can say it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think just in terms of that self focus, I think that's such a key element of the spiritual journey. And at the same time, like, I guess I'm beginning to wonder and question, you know, we get that term, like we talked about empath and on the other side is like narcissism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just wondering and have been pondering over this, you know, more self-focused journey. And is there any sort of aspect of that more narcissistic energy? And is that is that like a threat to kind of more of a healing journey? Like, are we becoming more narcissistic? I guess. Am I wondering? I'm wondering that. I think we have misunderstood what narcissism actually means. And I feel very strongly that narcissism and what we label in the spiritual community as impasse and in the psychological community as like codependent behavior is the same side is a different side of the same coin, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna break it down. And you have overt narcissists and you have covert narcissists. And overt narcissists is what we see being touted as somebody who's toxic and nasty. They're very manipulative in order to get their needs met. Covert narcissists, impasse and codependence also are manipulating their environment to get their needs met. They're both narcissistic tendencies. Mm. When we are not being straightforward and asking for our needs to get met, and instead we're sidestepping or (laughs) manipulating the environment around us, then that is a narcissistic tendency, I guess is how I can sum it up. It's a very in-depth conversation maybe for Mm. another podcast. Absolutely. No, I feel like that just explained so much in my own head. So thank you for sharing that perspective. (laughs) Um, I do feel like it is a spectrum and empathic narcissism, like we all have, you know, various um, points on that spectrum. So Mm -hmm. it's not so black and white, I don't think. It's not. And just to go back to the original question, I don't think that human beings are becoming more narcissistic. I think we're stumbling and crawling and walking and running our way out of that. And I think the best way to do it is to get more in touch with ourselves. And it's not about selfishness. It's about really truly understanding what our needs are and how to get them met in ways that aren't manipulative. That's the only way we're going to break the narcissistic cycle we've been trapped in for a long time. Absolutely. And I do think it just inevitably goes back to our relationship with ourselves. Mm -hmm. right because if we're not listening to our own needs with our relationship to ourselves we're going to be trying to get those needs met in our relationships in probably more manipulative and cunning ways 
Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we'll just kind of shift a little bit of the conversation. Sure. To, um, I just am curious about, you know, the energies on this planet have just been so intense and we're just all navigating so much. You know, recently we've had these eclipse energies and these last few years were just being propelled into growth and self-evolution. So I'm just curious to see, like, how are you personally working with the energies on the planet these days? Again, going back to focusing on yourself, how I try to work with these energies is I see them as lessons or pop quizzes from the universe, right? And it's a way to see, like, how much have you learned from this past lunar cycle or the past previous eclipse cycle or past astrological cycle? And I invite and welcome them in because I know things are not going to go the way I want to, especially during eclipse season or Mercury retrograde. And I think, how can I best conduct myself or how can I switch my frame of mind or switch my attitude about this and still have fun and still enjoy my day? Mm. I feel like that's how I've been working with these energies recently is really working on controlling my reaction to them and, and, and working on how I respond to them when they come up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. To change our perspective rather than, Oh, this is happening to me. This is happening for me. Yeah, definitely. And, and even because sometimes when bad things happen, you're like, why is this happening for me? Right. It's kind of a interesting way to look at it. And it's kind of a, a phrase or a saying I've never really truly understood, <laughs> but and I get the I get the term, I get the phrase, and I get the saying to a certain degree. I don't think that maybe everybody else understands it. And it also can seem a little bit cold. So I just try yes. and rephrase it in like a way that you have a choice. You always have choices and you get to choose how you're going to respond from the information or from the external situation that's happening around you. And from your response that is going to create a chain reaction. And then from there, you're being a conscious creator. Mm. So if my car is broken down on the side of the highway with a flat tire or whatever, you know, I'm going to say, well, am I prepared? Did I get roadside assistance? Oh, I did. Let me call them. It's going to take a while. I can wait. I can take a nap. I can call a friend I haven't spoken to in a while. There's so many different ways you can respond to those scenarios instead of getting frustrated and being like, why is this happening to me? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just one example. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I've always wondered, you know, where's the line between right honoring the emotions mm-hmm. and shifting the perspective? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I feel like nowadays I honor the emotion first (laughs) and then get to the response and the reaction after that. I I never want to gaslight or bypass myself emotionally. So I say, wow, this really sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Or when it happens to somebody else, I'm really sorry that happened. Like how would I respond to somebody if they were in that position? Oh Mm -hmm. gosh, I'm really sorry that happens. That's a huge bummer. So I would definitely honor myself in the same way and then respond accordingly to the situation. Absolutely. It's like reparenting those aspects of ourselves. That's the way I look at it. It's like how would yeah. we relate to ourselves as a friend or as a loving, kind, supportive parent? 
Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, on the flip side, I think knowing our patterns in terms of if we have more of a dwelling and a addictive pattern to kind of staying stuck in that, you know, that energy of frustration or sadness, I think there can be some patterns in ourselves that we've adapted as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and we, we oftentimes get addicted to the, the drama, mm-hmm. the trauma and the drama, you know, absolutely. Uh, it feels familiar to us so mm. oftentimes breaking a pattern is quitting your addiction to complaining and quitting your mm-hmm. addiction to getting upset and angry or gossiping or mm. you know the list goes on and on and on absolutely absolutely and I do feel like you know that never begins with self-judgment is what I'm continuously learning <laughs> oh absolutely no again it goes back to awareness and curiosity mm-hmm mm-hmm And just really understanding that those parts of ourselves are there for a reason. And that's how they got their needs met at one point in time. Yeah, exactly. So wonderful. And then I guess just, you know, transitioning this conversation into your work, you know, as a tarot reader, as a spiritual teacher, I'm curious your journey with the tarot and how long you've been studying it for and, you know, similar to the spiritual journey, like what first drew you to it? I've, so I've been studying tarot for 11 years now and I, I didn't, I wasn't ever really drawn to it. It was another kind of situation where it kind of was given to me or came into my field of existence. Uh, and when I was 24 was the first time I was gifted a tarot deck and that's by our mutual friend, Patty. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, no she, yeah. So she introduced us. So look, it's all coming full circle, right? No kidding. It is. And she gave me a deck of cards that her friend, I believe her name was Hope, gave to her. And I just took a liking to it and I never got disinterested in it. So I've just kept up with it for 11 years now. And for a while, it was just like doing it for friends and family members or doing it for myself or pulling it out as like a, not a party trick, but as a way to engage people in conversation. Mm. And then it became something more evolved into something more. Wow. That's so amazing. I feel like uh, the tarot is something it's, you know, it's an energy it's there's symbolism. And I, I guess, you know, for our listeners out there, who, you know, many have probably heard of tarot, but how would you describe tarot to our listeners? My sister, I was explaining it to her the other day. Um, she summed it up perfectly for me. I couldn't have put better words to it. And she says that tarot is like a therapy prompt. And that's specifically how I do my style of reading. And so we use the cards as prompts to talk about stuff that's weighing heavy on your mind and help work through them together. Mm. I love that. It's a tool, right? Absolutely. 100% a tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, much like astrology. Astrology is a tool, you know, uh, psychology. It's a tool, human design. Like these are all tools and avenues through which we can better understand ourselves. Yes, exactly. Did you teach yourself to learn tarot or did you follow other readers? How did you, you know, learn the tarot? 
I was self-taught. I got books. I just kept learning. I kept studying. It wasn't until I started to take tarot more seriously as wanting to have it as my career or business that I started branching out and watching other tarot card readers so I could learn more from them and see how they interpreted certain cards I was familiar with. And I've cherry picked from some of their readings too on how to interpret certain cards as well. But mostly it's just through reading books and studying the cards and the best way I was able to learn was just offering readings to people. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, diving deep into that practice, I'm sure is probably the most helpful tool. Yeah, absolutely. And learning to trust my intuition and the messages I got while I was pulling the cards coming in and learning to speak up as opposed to hold back. Mm. Yes, I do feel like, you know, for those of us on a spiritual journey, learning to trust our intuition or even hear our intuition Mm -hmm. and the language through which our intuition communicates to us is, you know, such a big part of the healing journey. And I think tools much like tarot or astrology or oracle cards can be such a helpful assistance to hear our intuition again. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, For the longest time, though, there was a moment that I would receive intuitive guidance and while pulling cards for certain people and I wouldn't say what was coming through Mm. and then they would tell me that that's what came Mm. up for them. And so now I don't do that anymore. If I get a message coming through, I will tell my clients, this is the message that's coming through because then that gives them the option to say whether or not it resonated or not. But I I don't withhold those, those important messages anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there can be like at first that fear of using our voice, our expression, our throat chakra when there's been, you know, trauma or any sort of self doubt, (coughs) I think that can shut down those modes of expression. Yeah. Excuse me. Oh, I just had to cough. I had a tickle in my throat. (laughs) I thought it was a sneeze. God bless you, child. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, just for those about out you listening, like I just want to speak personally to my experience, you know, having received readings from Pesha, I've received, gosh, I don't know, probably a dozen readings now, Mm -hmm. by now. Um, And I have had so many amazing readings and have just received nothing short of such powerful soul line guidance. And I'm just, yeah, so grateful to receive your readings I feel like each time like you are sharing with me exactly what I'm feeling and sensing oh well thank you thanks for that feedback yeah Um, absolutely I've just always received such pearls of wisdom and intuition and just encouragement to trust my own intuition and that's what it's there for I think I, I strongly feel that the tarot doesn't ever show you what you're not ready to hear Oftentimes what it's doing is getting you to acknowledge what you already know to be true. Mm, mm -hmm. It's a mirror, right? Yeah. And the tarot is honestly like a a great tool for reassuring what you already know to be true. It's Mm -hmm. just like, you just need kind of that final push, like Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, okay, I I am right. That was correct. And I I love that for people. It's never going to show you really what you don't know unless you ask, we can ask the cards that, but. Wow. I have never done that. I'm curious what that would be like. (laughs) It's interesting. And it's, unless you, unless I'm getting feedback from my clients 
uh, I don't ever really know what the outcomes of that are. But I have had people reshare with me later on when we're doing like a future poll over something that's going to happen in the future, whether or not that happened. And some of those things did, did occur. So hmm. that is, that is very interesting. I feel like that would be, yeah, just a different type of energy that you would bring in to the reading. It does. Yeah. Um, and maybe sometimes it just helps give them that extra push of confidence, knowing that that thing is coming in for them or mm. they will get that promotion or that, there is a new love interest coming in. It, that gives them the space to release the energy to the attachment to the outcome that's coming in and actually allows it to come in sooner. Right, right. Kind of releases that fear or that more limited and scarcity mindset around what is possible. Yeah, or expectation or constantly looking around for it. It's like, no, just live your life. That thing is coming. Just keep going you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I do feel like, you know, more and more, it's just really working on that alignment piece. I feel like that word just, it comes up a lot. And I think that is the journey that we're on is aligning back to our soul's original blueprint, you know, that mm-hmm. abundant energy where we can create the life that we desire. Yeah. And does that mean it's going to be easy and we won't have challenges? No. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the missed mark of a lot of those teachings is it doesn't mean your life is going to be seamless. No, it doesn't. I feel like getting out of your own way kind of sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I think we're all pretty good at standing in our own way sometimes. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. And that's also what tarot is really good for. It's it's showing you certain um, obstacles or patterns that um, you keep playing into that are blocking the things that you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I guess, I mean, this is your, your day to day work that you have been stepping into for the past few years now. And you're really wanting to make this, you know, tarot focus more a part of your life path. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. I, I just feel like I've studied so much and learned so much and my mind always wants to go this way or that way or this way. I feel like tarot to me is limitless. It, it, it mm. always is fascinating me. I'm always learning new stuff about it. I'm learning new stuff about my clients and myself through it. And it's just one of those resources that I feel like will never be untapped. And then until I tap it, I'm going to keep doing it. I love that. I love that so much. I feel like I feel that way in terms of astrology, you know, that's Mm. my avenue of uh, study. And I feel like it is limitless, much like the tarot, you know, there's just endless things for me to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's and I love that. It's just something that's never not held my interest. So I'll just keep having it hold my interest. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like that's, you know, what strikes our curiosity and inspires us. That's what we should follow. Absolutely. I use the should word, but (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm curious, you know, the link between astrology and tarot. I mean, can you, I mean, have those always been like inherently interconnected? As far, I feel like as, as long as tarot has been a thing, those have been connected. Um, and I could be wrong about that, but the history of tarot is a little bit skewed. I've tried to study it and research it, and there is 
differing sources of information and basically the consensus on it is it's it's out like they don't have a main point of when it started so each suit in the tarot deck which is spelt like a traditional set of playing cards with 22 major arcana so imagine having 22 jokers in a deck it's kind of like that and then you have your main suits each suit has an astrological component attached to an astrological element. So the wands or rods and what they're called in certain decks are attached to fire signs. So that's gonna be Leo, Sagittarius and Aries. And then you have the suit of swords and that is attached to air signs. So that's Libra, Gemini and Aquarius. And then you have the cups or the chalices that's attached to water signs. So Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. And then you have, uh, what's the last one? Oh, pentacles. Oh. Pentacles uh, or coins or whatever they're called in, in the deck that you own or have, those are attached to earth signs. So that's Taurus, Virgo, and... Capricorn. There, thank you. Oh my goodness. Why do I always forget what that one is? So, it's my North Node. I got you. Okay, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> um, the 22 cards, the, the major arcana, um, or the trump cards, whatever you prefer to call them, those all have astrological signs attached to them as well. And I'm not as familiar with those. And so that's something that I'm keen on on learning more of I, I know some of them I know like the justice card is attached to Libra and I know that the strength card is attached to Leo and that the star card is attached to Aquarius but I want to learn I want to learn those a little bit better hmm. yeah I love to hear you know and listen to readers who do interplay with the astrological themes and symbols I just think that's so fascinating to hear how they're related and connected so yeah thank you for sharing that um, yeah, I just feel like the tarot is such an interesting system and a language, you know, that mm -hmm. we can use to better understand ourselves and our patterns. Oh, definitely. I totally agree. I, I love the story format of it, too. And when you pull different cards, there definitely is a story that forms around it. Hmm. And I think just being so, you know, story oriented, I, I just I love that. I really, I really love that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think people in general love it. Before we had writing techniques, that's how history and generational history was passed down from generation to generation was in story form. Mm -hmm. And through and through symbolism and through pictures and through art. So it's definitely within our DNA to be attracted to something like that. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Oh, well, I just wanted to ask you two final questions before we kind of wrap this episode up. This has been so fun and I've loved the various tangents that we've dove into. Um, but just going back to kind of the collective energies on this planet, you know, outwardly speaking, we, you know, if any of us, I don't know many spiritually inclined people who watch the news, but <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe some people do. And I'm just curious, you know, how can we start to fathom this, you know, on the global scale, we see so much violence and chaos and all these things happening. And how can we, you know, orient that back to our spiritual journey and 
trust that, you know, this is all a part of it? Like, what is your take on these crazy (laughs) planetary energies? And are we headed in the right direction? (laughs) So first off, I want to say with like the violence and and chaos and uh, the unfortunate things going on in our world today is that we have to come to terms and we have to come to acceptance, especially in the spiritual community with the fact that we are living in a dualistic and polar world, like a polarizing world. We live in a realm that is based in polarity, polarity, excuse me, and in duality. Yes. We're always going to have that kind of ebb and flow, that yin and yang, that lightness and darkness we're not an integrated society right now. I also want to add that where you put your intention and your focus on, that thing grows. Mm. And so I choose to see the positives and that doesn't mean that I'm ignorant or blind to the fact that there are horrible things going on in the world right now. But again, if your attention grows then I'm going to put my attention towards the positive things. And one of the most positive things I've seen recently is with the advent of technology and with social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram is that there are more spiritual healers and healer types and leaders out there right now than there ever has been before. The fact that we are talking about Wicca or paganism or witchcraft or tarot, and we're seeing more of that in the mainstream means that we're doing something right (laughs) so that people are having access to more of this information i'm just i'm thrilled with that and that gives me hope for humanity because i want everyone to have access to this information and thankfully almost everybody in the world has access to a phone and can research this and get the help and do the research research if they wanted to you know Absolutely. Yeah, I continue to just to grow that and to help put more of that content out there so people can have that and uh, again, shift their attention towards things that are positive. And my main thing is to not to sound like a 90s bumper sticker too much, but is, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but it, it was a 90s bumper sticker, but I love this saying and I still live by it today is act globally, think, no, think locally shoot, I am really messing this up. Act locally, think globally. Yes, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Because at the end of the day, the micro affects the macro. So again, it goes back to focusing on yourself, Mm. focusing on your community, and focusing your attention towards positive things and where you want to see growth and healing. Mm. And that should move outward. That should cause a a chain reaction of sorts. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, you put that so beautifully and succinctly. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, you're yeah, are there any final words of guidance to others on their own healing journey that you would like to share? I feel like they're now going back on what I just said, even though there's so much information out there, there's more people than ever giving advice, guidance and advice. I'm going to do the opposite just because there is so much. If people want to come to me for clarity and guidance and advice, I, I welcome that with open arms and I'm willing to sit down, but there has to be consent when you're giving 
advice to people and guidance yeah. to people. Yeah. So instead of giving guidance and advice, I'd just like to tell anyone who's listening that I love you and I'm proud of you and you're doing great and to keep going. Oh, Tasha, that just like got my heart. Thank you so much <laughs> for ending that way that I feel like more and more that's all we need to hear is I love you. I'm here for you. You're going to be okay. Yeah. So definitely just yeah. simple simple reminders so thank you so so much for this conversation it just has really sparked my mind and my heart and I'm just so grateful to have been in conversation with you today oh same here thank you again so much for having me on and inviting me to do this I've I've been looking forward to it I'm thoroughly enjoyed it Oh, good. Yes, I'm sure all our listeners will just really enjoy listening to this episode. And uh, just, you know, how can they connect more with you and your work, you know, Instagram, social media, just anything you want to share there? Um, my ins- I mainly just work with Instagram. And it's at Pesha Tarot. So it's P-E-S-H-A-T-A-R-O-T at Pesha Tarot. Perfect. And they can follow you and they can DM you inquiring about readings and just, yeah, you know, I've loved the reels that you've been putting out per the, you know, Zodiac signs and just kind of orienting your messages in video format that way. It's been really awesome. I'm just trying to get it out there and overcoming my thing of perfectionism. You know, they're not, they're not perfect. They don't need to be. It's, and uh, I, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm trying to have fun with it and not take it too seriously. Good. I think releasing that perfectionism is such a continuous path on this journey. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you again, Anna. And you have yeah. a lovely day. And I love you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. I love you so much, Pesha. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this first episode of the Witch Witch Wednesday series. I was so honored to interview my lovely friend Pesha Forrest and to dive deeply into some topics that are near and dear to both of our hearts. And we hope that you all enjoyed listening to this beautiful conversation and garnished some potent points of healing and reminders and medicine along your own journey. So thank you so much for tuning in and please join me next time for the next Witch Witch Wednesday and I will look forward to speaking to you all then.